Balotelli, Aguero! Lewandowski goes through again, oh he just can't do it, you just cannot be that good, that is an amazing goal, I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on guys and welcome to another episode of the 50 plus one football podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. I'm Billy, and if I was Robert Lewandowski, he'd be scoring hat-tricks in the Champions League for Bayern. It's Lewis. Well, he's back to his old self, isn't he? That's right, guys. We have a lovely host of topics for you today, starting off with the Bundesliga, where we will be talking about Gladbach and the tale of never-ending woe. And then we move over to Berlin, where Hertha have much the same story and also a juicy new piece of news with a meeting with their main investor. Then we will head over to Bayern and talk about how the Allianz Arena is not a fortress or is not the fortress that it once was. Then moving over to the Premier League, we will talk about the Manchester Derby. Billy is going to have a field day with that one. Then also talking about Everton. Are they going to get docked points for infractions of the financial fair play rules? Rules which, I'm going to be honest, no one knows what the hell they mean. Billy just read them to me right before we did this. It makes no sense. And to finish off, we'll have a nice little talk about the Kane-Son partnership. And Billy has some nice insights on why they might not be as good as everyone says they are. And to round off our topics for this episode... We'll have a look at the possible striker merry-go-round this More on that right after this. Should we start with Gladbach? Well, it's just, it's too depressing not to, and we might as well get the depressing stuff out of the way, which is, I mean, it's exactly why I said we have to start with Gladbach and then move to Berlin, but you know. We move, we move. But yeah, Gladbach, they just managed to lose 3-2 after leading 2-0 to 17th place Stuttgart, who themselves can't seem to be putting a foot right this season. I mean, the, the Gladbach players are speechless. Uh, like they're, they're literally searching for words at the end of the match in the post-match interviews. It's unbelievable. For context as well, they were 2-0 up in that game. Yeah, that's the th- yeah, that's what I mean. It's two nil up, and you piss it away for a three-two loss. I mean, th- th- there's only so much Adi Hütter can do, and the thing is, I think it's unfair to start blaming Adi Hütter because he's done well with Bern in Switzerland. He's done well in Austria. He's done extremely well with Eintracht Frankfurt. Borussia Mönchengladbach seems to be the anomaly. And if we're being honest, you know, if Gladbach is the anomaly, that means the Gladbach squad just isn't good. I was going to say, it's it's that team. That's the issue. And it's the fact that that team isn't even that bad. Look at the players they've got. Marcus Turam, Alessand Player, Jan Sommer, Matthias Ginter, Christoph Kramer, 
Florian Neuhaus, that team is not bad. They even got some new exciting players in like Kone. You know, they had Zakaria up until the winter. It's it's not a team that should be where they're at. I'm, we've been saying it for months now. And it's giving us a little bit of deja vu in the sense that, you know, we saw Schalke at this very mo- at this very spot, at this very moment in time. And we were all thinking, that's not looking good. Given Schalke had, were almost in uh, danger of breaking the record for the longest streak of games without a win. But, you know, Gladbach don't seem to be doing much better, if we're being honest. Do you think, yeah, do you think it's a case of sentimentality getting in the way? Like they need the board to be ruthless because, you know, Jonas Hoffman, Patrick Herrmann, I know, I know Ginter will be off, but, you know, if they don't get rid of this dead weight, players like Kone are in real danger of not developing, like Florian Neuhaus as well. That's the amazing thing as well, just to touch on Neuhaus for a second before I get to the question. Florian Neuhaus was linked with a move to Bayern last season and valued at $40 million. He can't four- seem to be getting a game in at the minute. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, we might as well at this point write off Turam and player at Gladbach because they're so think, hit and miss. Yeah. They're so hot and cold. It's ridiculous. I think moves away, they probably do quite well. They probably would do well just for the change of setting. But if we're being honest, the, there are things like when I think it was Marcus Turam ahead of, the, ahead of one of the Stuttgart goals, he just let his man run. You know, if you look at a player and he and he lets his head hang and doesn't, you know, try and sprint after a player when there's an obvious counterattack going on so that you can do absolutely everything in your power to maybe stop can stop your team from conceding, then I don't know why you're on a football pitch. Like Marcus Turam is the equivalent of Jan Zoma looking at a shot and just saying, do you know what? I could go for that, but I'm not gonna. And that is a if, – if a goalkeeper did that, he'd be getting benched. For all the talent that Marcus Turam has, I don't think Gladbach are any better off with him in the squad. Or to put it another way, they're no better with him in the squad than they are without him. Who, who are you going to play instead, Breland Bolo? That's the thing. You have – you. The whole squad, you no matter how they've played, they haven't produced results. And, you know, to top it all off, the one man who might have actually been able to do a solid restructuring is Max Eba, who's now no longer the sporting director. I mean, given Gladbach didn't ax him, that's, that's the one thing. This was a personal decision for health reasons. But I'd say he's definitely going to be missing massively in that boardroom come summer transfer. Yeah. So he stepped down. Uh, 23 after 23 years, I'm ending something that has been my life. I've always enjoyed and had fun working during this time, but a lot of things that happened in this job aren't enjoyable anymore. Says it all really. Yeah. Uh, I'm the kind of person who puts 100% into everything I've done. I have done for the past 13 years as sporting director. 
that's the thing. When things start to fall apart from the top, I think it's difficult. But like that team is talented. Or on paper, oh, of course, he's talented. I don't think. I don't think it's managerial issues. No. I think it's just the players. In all honesty, they it, the players have to be asking themselves because there are so many things that are going wrong. I mean, Christoph Kama himself was searching for the right words in the post in his post match interview. You know, Jan Zoma said basically, you know, we weren't doing this well, we weren't doing that well. Everything was going wrong. Everything that could have gone wrong is going wrong. That doesn't sound like the team is actually anywhere close to getting their act together. You know, a team that's close to getting their act together, they they know that they they actually have a clear plan. But you know, Kilsov Kamahi said we have about a thousand different problems in the dre- from the dressing room to the pitch itself. And then Yanzama is also saying there are so many things we have to correct. And I think the most telltale thing that he said was 17th place Stuttgart dominated Gladbach. A 17th place team does not dominate anyone. They get kicked in week in, week out. They had seven shots on target, Stuttgart. Gladbach had three. Uh, they had more possession. Nearly double the passes. Which is ridiculous when you think a team down in you know relegation playoff places. Stuttgart don't they Stuttgart themselves don't know when the last time it was that they had that much that has had such a dominance over the other team. They they don't know the last time they even went anywhere close to those stats after a match. Do you think it was a mentality issue? Do you think it was okay? We're two new up now. This is this is done. But it was like three minutes after. Yeah, but that's um, the thing as well. Turan you know, got the two, second goal. The Endo yeah, scored. Yeah, but two, th- that's the thing, 2-0 up. I'd say ye- yes and no, because Adi Hutta said after the match, you know, we have a massive defensive problem. And, you know, you defend as a unit. You defend as a team. If you've got a massive defensive problem, that means the whole team isn't pulling on one string, if you will. They're not all in sync. And you have to ask ask yourself what kind of mentality do the Gladbach players have if they're throwing away leads like that because those would have been some massive three points that could get them out of the relegation battle or at least further away from it because they're only four points off of a relegation playoff spot and you know Adi Hutta says as well after the game every match for us is now a final if that doesn't get your team in the right mentality Nothing will. You're not wrong. It's a difficult one, and I really don't know where it goes or where to go next with it. I think... I, I don't know. If you were a Gladbach fan, you, if, if, if Bayern were in this situation... <laughs> 
head and hands, you would be, I'd be speechless. I feel ashamed to be drinking out of my uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach DFB Pockle celebratory cup. But, you know, the fact it was in 1973 speaks volumes right now. But that was a cup from the match we went to, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't want to. We we queued for like 15 minutes and then you went, I thought you wanted to keep it. Oh, yeah. And then we went. (laughs) I didn't want my two euros back. Me as a Bayern fan, I wasn't about to keep that cup, for instance. I did keep the cup from the from the first match after Germany won the World Cup, though. Has wir sind Weltmeister. Lovely cup. You know, the best part about that match was it was a friendly against Argentina. <laughs> and Germany, they rolled out the red carpet for the team. They had four stars. They had a massive fan choreography. And it's the Argentinians who have to, who have to deal with it. Oh, Jesus Christ. I never thought there could be more shithousery in one uh, pre-match show, but I stand corrected. Anyways, should we leave the horrible goings-on at Gladbach and move to equally horrible goings-on at Hertha Berlin? Oh, go on then. I I don't want people to think this is turning into an anti-Hertha podcast but you know if they started you know being good then we wouldn't have to and uh union are the better team than Berlin anyway well, but, um, that, that, that goes without saying okay yeah. Hertha Berlin they're in the relegation playoff spot for starters they're one point ahead of Stuttgart who are in a direct relegation spot 23 points in 25 matches speaks volumes and to top it all off, the investor, Lars Windhorst, sat down with the whole team to have a meeting about what the hell was going wrong. <laughs> Sorry, I've just, I've just seen uh, like a, a translation of, um, of uh, Tafe and Corkett's when he got them all in a, in a huddle and they all had a chat. <laughs> and one of the literal translation is that you are here until shit. I think that puts it pretty well. I love the literal translations you get you can get from German. Well, but two yeah, days he's ago, not wrong. Two days ago, they did lose their sporting director as well, Arnie Friedman. Well, that's the thing. Left. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. Basically, the the management is now jumping ship left, right, and center. But then again, you have to question as a sporting director, what good did he actually do? Because some of the players they've bought, some of the money they've spent is horrendous. I mean, I'd argue that, you know, Zuat Zera for 8 mil from Schalke, who got relegated last season. Spending 8 million on a guy who got relegated, man. It's almost as bad as spending 35 million on a relegated Benjamin Pavard, but you know. Oh, imagine being that team. Imagine being a fan of that team, yeah. Hello. But yeah, Freddie Freddie Bobic is um they had like a team meeting and Freddie Bobic uh said that all the players have taken responsibility, none of them are blaming the coach. So they know their shit. Well, yeah, I mean 
there's only so this, this is what we always say, isn't it? Is that every team in crisis, there's only so much a manager can do. Like, for instance, uh, Schalke is sacking uh, Gramotzis now this past weekend. He was given an impossible job at Schalke to get them back up after the, being relegated with more or less the same squad and less money. And, you know, then you blame the manager for that. That's just... That's just unfair. So do you think and, this is... Yeah. Do you think this is the like a poison chalice in itself? Like, I'm, I can't say when they go down because they could win the playoff, which would be the most unfair thing in the world, which is why I think a relegation playoff is the most backward thing your country does. Yeah, okay, but, but is it more back... We've already had this debate, but is it more backwards than a sixth place team being able to defeat a third place team in the championship and still going up. Yeah. You've been lawyered, my friend lawyered sharp. The, uh, the playoffs are a staple of English culture and I will not have responded <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> Anyways, but it would be fair for them to go down. That's what I'm saying because they don't play very yeah. well. They made Eintracht Frankfurt look like Bayern Munich. Yeah. You could say that again. I mean, I think Hertha Berlin are going to let any team look like Bayern at this point. I, I just can't understand Hertha Berlin. It's just uh, a, the money they've spent is just, we say it every week, but you know, 375 million from an investor. And still that club hasn't shown any value for the, for the bucks that have put been, been that have been spent. Unbelievable. Do you think anyone from that team gets, gets move? It's hard to see which club would want anyone from that team. That's the thing. Well, I think, uh, was it Marcel Lotka? I think he's going to Dortmund. That's insane. That's on a free though. That's that's just his backup yeah. keeper. Yeah, but here's the thing. Yeah, okay. Well, as a backup keeper, there's only so much you can get. But you know, one of the things that really gets me is things like things like the rumors Matthias Ginta might be going to Bayern. Like any player from that Gladbach team should not be going anywhere near a top four team. They they just clearly have shown that they aren't made for that because Adi Hütter is not the problem like that and same goes for Hertha Berlin how is any Hertha player supposed to say I think I will be doing better at a different club when the manager wasn't the problem at the last club it's just that that player power that arrogance though isn't it and I think if, it is. if they do get relegated or... I mean, Gladbach won't get relegated. Not this season anyway, but... Well, you'd if hope. Berlin get relegated, it'll probably shock a lot of those players. You think about how long it's taken Hamburg to even look close to coming back. Yeah, I think... Th- and that, that's the thing as well. I think if you... There's so many clubs that are in danger of, you know, falling back into a Hamburg situation once they go down. Because... Everyone knows the minute you go down from the first division, it is insanely hard to get out of there again. 
the same thing in the championship. I mean, I'd be perfectly fine with uh, Kreuzer Furt going down and never coming back up, to be perfectly honest. Like a German yeah, Norwich, but... they offer nothing to this league. <laughs> that actually is the most apt comparison. You just you just like them in there because of the fans. Their fan their fan scene is is cool, but that's about it. Yeah, but you don't get points for your fans. It's like you don't get well, points obviously for the coolest not. kit. Anyway, let's move on and let's talk the many, 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 many issues that you're beloved by. Well, I, I think one thing that as a fan of this club that you now just have to wrap your head around is the fact that Bayern don't have the hold on the Bundesliga that they once did. You know, a few years ago, you came to the Allianz Arena. Every, any team, whether it be Dortmund or Greuther were getting three, four, five, maybe even six goals and just be getting an absolute thumping. And now this past weekend... Leverkusen could have won. You know, you've got Diod Upamecano who's making a back pass to Ulreich, which might as well have been a through ball to Amin Adli for all the good it did. And the only reason Bayern got a point out of that was because Adli hit the post in that situation. You know, it's, it's a thing of... The Bayern dominance is definitely waning but teams in the Bundesliga have failed to capitalize on it thus far. Well, yeah, we said it. We said it a couple of years ago. Bayern kept drawing or Bayern lost and Dortmund and Leipzig would lose or they they draw and there was just no capitalization from either of them. Yeah. You know, the they, same thing again. It's still a relative rarity. Like when they lose <laughs> 4-2 to Bochum. Jesus Christ. Which I'm never going to forget because Christian Gamboa scored a fucking screamer in that game. Yes, um, yes, yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And, um, but they, they just don't capitalize on it because what are you still six points clear? So, and honestly, can't see Dortmund. Nah, it's, you. Uh, well, I mean, given. Six points, but uh, nine points, but uh, oh, yeah, Dortmund, Dortmund have the game in hand, yeah, yes. But I can't see uh, Dortmund beating Bayern in April. No, it's just Dortmund have too many of their own problems. They, I was gonna <laughs> they say, they get that sort of let's not, but I think, you know, yeah. The thing is, the thing though is that at Bayern. They also have one, a sporting director who is one of my most favorite people in the world. Um, you know, he's, he's not the best man for the job. And couple that with the fact that, you know, now Bayern players want more and more money. He has to try and keep the starting 11 with a shrinking budget not a lot of good negotiation skills and an ever-growing appetite for higher salaries, which in, in turn makes, you know, the at the end of that equation, you get things like Nicolas Sule leaving, who is probably the best center back at Bayern at the minute. Um, Alaba and Boateng leaving on a free. 
And then, you know, you ask yourself as a fan, where the hell is this going? And I think Markus Babel said it best on, um, on the Bundesliga web show on, on Ran. You know, the Bayern fans are asking, you know, who do we get in for Niklas Süder? Who replaces him? All the talk at the at, at the end of at the end of the year uh, at the shareholders meeting was all about you know Lewandowski, Müller, and Neuer. And given you also need to extend contracts with those three, but that hasn't happened either. Um, then Lothar Matthäus said it best. You know, if Uli Hoeneß had been sitting in the managerial offices, Le- Lewandowski, Neuer, Müller—they all would already have had fat extensions by this point. So it like if if there was a worse time to have a an ill-equipped sporting director at Bayern, it I don't know when that would be, because right now you've got Neuer, Müller, Gnabry, and Lewandowski all out of contract, twenty twenty three. That's half your starting eleven right there. It's, it's more shocking. We spoke about it last week, so we won't go too much into it now. But when Lewandowski said he didn't want to leave for free. So that's exactly. a, a very small window of you either extend his contract or he leaves this coming summer. And uh... <laughs> I'm so sorry. Shut up. Because, <laughs> because what, what are you going to get for him? 50 million max. That's it. Because he's 33. No one's going to pay over 50 million, maybe, yeah, 60 million euros max, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, 60 million is better than nothing, but... Maybe not even rate... that, because Ronaldo was like... Oh, I mean, Ronaldo was like 13. <laughs> but that's just because Juventus were desperate to get him off their wage bill, but... I was about to say, uh, it's, it's a little bit different. But, yeah, no, I mean, the... Th- in all fairness, Lewandowski is actually is doing the club a service with the fact that he doesn't want to leave for free. You know, if if we're being honest, he could he could have just been like, you know what, I'll let the contract run out and then leave. But you know, he actually wants to make the club some money with his with his going away. But the problem is, you're not going to find someone to replace Robert Lewandowski for sixty million. And with the way the purse strings have been tightened on Bayern's bank account, I don't think that's going to do them any good. What they should do is extend the contract for Robert Lewandowski until 2025 and do the same for Müller and Neuer as well. Gnabry, they should try and get as long as uh, Kingsley Coman until 2027. I was going to say they've still not, um, still not extended that one, have they? No. And if you're being honest, you need... like This season has shown well enough that at times you need all three, Gnabry, Sané, and Kingsley Coman. And the worst bit about all this is that it's a problem of Bayern's own making because they went and bought Lucas Hernandez for 80 million and then put him on 14 million euros a year. To which every player then was like, all right, if you're going to pay him 14 million, my next contract extension, I want 18. Which, you know, if we're being honest, is a fair assumption to make because at the time Hernandez was 23 
And he came with a freaking knee injury. And if I'm being honest, his, his transfer came out of freaking nowhere. No one was like, oh, you know, Lucas Hernandez is going to be the next big, next big thing. No, no, no. Everyone was saying that about Matthias Delict. And Delict costs five million less. Was that the same summer? Was that summer after? Yeah. <laughs> wow. You really got screwed. Oh, wow. Okay. Unbelievable. And you oh, yeah. bought the wrong. He bought the wrong brother as well. You should have bought Teo Hernandez. Because if you if you're if you're insisting on when you play Lucas Hernandez playing him at left back, no, but that no no we that, they've they've corrected that mistake now because we know Alfonso Davies is when he's fit he's a better left back than than Lucas Hernandez hundred percent. Yeah, when he's fit. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the only reason he's he's not fit at the minute is because he has a freaking heart. Uh, or he's mild myocarditis, I think is the medical term. I don't know. It's inflammation of the heart muscle after Corona, which, you know, if we're being honest, that's not a, that's not a real, you know, muscular, no muscular, of course it's muscular, but that's not like, you know, him tearing a leg muscle or a knee ligament or an ankle ligament. You know, it's a, it's a, like, it's a freak injury almost. It's not like Leon Goretzka, who's had patella uh, tendon problems for like the past four years. Feels like four years anyway, since he last played. Shocking. I think it's probably a good time to leave Germany and head over to the Premier League. Was about to say. Should we get out of the way quick? Yeah, let's just rip the band-aid off. Get and it over. I will let you have I'll let you have free reign to talk about this. Uh I don't know how you would put it best. Disappointing. Embarrassing. Tear jerking, embarrassing. I don't know. The, have at it. The good thing about recording these four days later is I've had chance to calm down and yes. I now no longer want to throw myself in front of the 835 from Waterloo to Winchester. <laughs> well, that was very dark. I'm sorry, do go on. Ladies and gentlemen, the 2035 Southwestern Railway service from London Waterloo to Weymouth via Winchester is delayed because of a crying man sat in front of the train. <laughs> Sunday, I was not very happy. Um, and it wasn't so much wasn't so much the score line. Okay, because we've lost 4-1 to City before. It was the manner in which they played, which I said the same thing when it was at Old Trafford when they lost 2-0. You know, okay, five minutes in, De Bruyne just waltzes through and scores. Okay, it's fine. Jaden Sancho then scores. And United are playing really well. Wait. I was very happy with that. Um, and then it just capitulated. I mean, not Victor Lindelof is clapped. Harry Maguire, I <laughs> I really am done trying to justify his he's having a bad season. 
Okay, but it's not That's just an it's not just a bad season. It's one of the worst individual seasons I've seen from a centre half in quite a long time. Ever, <laughs> probably since Nemanja Vidic's last season. Oh no, that 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 that's just heart wrenching because he was so good beforehand. But it's not like Maguire was top class for years. Yeah, but on last him. season and during the Euros, he was a rock. Like we were genuinely quite good, quite comfortable at the back. Yeah, I don't know. I've 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 said it as well before. Uh, Alex Tellez is not a left back. He's a left wing back. He's better in a back three where he has the license to just bomb forward and he's got that defensive cover because he's got, he hasn't got a defensive bone in his body, which for a left back, it's quite important. Just a little bit. To be, to be fair to City, they, they saw Wan-Bissaka struggle and they, oh. fuck me, they ganged up on the lad, which is fair enough because McTominay and Lindelof didn't do enough to help. I, I think, mean, there's just that really unfortunate video of Phil Foden going shoulder to shoulder and knocking Wambasaka out of the freaking pitch. I mean, it was just, it's hard to watch things like that because Phil Foden, I give him max 75 kg. If that, he should not, that, it looked like it was Harry Maguire stepping in and bodying Aaron Wambasaka, which in all honesty, I'd expect from Slabhead. Even in his own, even in the Manchester Derby, he I'd expect him to body his own left back, like just just because he didn't see him or he he lost his bearings for a second. But that all aside, Phil Foden bodying in Juan Bissaka, well, yeah, but that's not that's not the the, the biggest issue. The, the biggest issue is he looks round, sees it coming, and then just does like doesn't react to it. So it's like it it happens so many times, but it really makes my piss boil when it happens in a manner like I mean it just ended up as a as a trade we didn't have a single shot in that second half yeah the first and second half were two completely different halves which United under Ranić has been a oh that's that's a that's a typical typical thing to happen the first half they're crap and the second half they're really good or vice versa there's not a full 90 minutes that's a big problem considering football is played over 90 minutes and then the leaks happen obviously the oh. next day after a big match there's always some sort of leak someone's not happy this one's about Rashford apparently wanting to reconsider his future it's like mate you're not playing because you're shit at the moment play well <laughs> and you'll start over the academy graduate who's now become everything Rashford used to be. Oof. I've got no Oof. doubt Marcus Rashford will, will get back to form. I'm not slagging him off. I'm just saying, if you're going to complain and bitch and whine about not playing, do something about it. And I can guarantee he's not said to anyone at the club he's thinking about leaving. He's gone and he's told one of his mates, and one of his mates has run to the papers and got a payout. Probably. It, it just really gets to me, but because then you, you see all this other stuff, like he's told people to stop leaking. But I, I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if about three or four of those players weren't there next season. Especially any particular players. Any particular I, players. Lindelof, for one. I don't think he'll... I don't think they'll get rid of uh, 
Maguire. I don't think they'll get rid of Maguire just because of how much they paid for him, which in itself is a fucking shambles because we wouldn't pay 75 million euros for Koulibaly from Napoli, but we'll give 80 million great British pounds to Leicester for that fat-headed fridge of a centre-half. <laughs> oh, okay, I thought I was over this, but I'm really not. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm really sorry. I don't want this to turn into therapy with Billy for 20 minutes. But anyway. I'm sorry. This is, oh, it, I'm so glad you're enjoying the pain. because Because when buying a shit, when you lose three of your best players for free, I'm actually going to laugh at you. Well, but of course, but you know, this, I'm going to cry just a, as you are now. This is a... We conceded one goal in three years under Ollie against because we had a game plan. It wasn't the most glamorous of football. It was sit back, soak up and counter, but it worked. This United team does not have the defensive structure to press from the front. Yeah, it's okay having a Langer, uh, Sancho, Pogba and Rash uh, and Fernandez. You know, Fernandez and Pogba were playing as two strikers at some point which means you've then got Fred and McTominay. <sighs> Fred isn't, isn't a six, so I can't overly criticise him for not being very defensive when it's not his job. Yeah. We've seen him play really well under Ranić as an eight. That's fine. Scott McTominay, I love him, but he's not very good. He's very Having good. Having said that, there are a lot of play, a lot of people who have actually big like upped Scott McTominay. Yeah, but it's the negative way in which he plays. There's no progressive passing. It's always touch, Boom. touch, touch, pass it backwards. He's very good breaking. I don't know. It's just it's just really annoying me. But I wouldn't be surprised if Wamba Saka was replaced. Lindelof Given the money was they spent fifty million on Wamba Saka. I mean. How much was Lindelof? He was also something around 30 or 25. 30-odd from Benfica. Jesus Christ. You know, a couple, you know, the the, the window before, a couple windows before we, we gave up the chance to sign Ruben Diaz. But, you know, we move. Oof. Oof. And this, is, this, isn't, this isn't United were overly shit because they were, but City were meticulous. They were... There's a reason they're they're the best team in the league, and it it hurts to say it, but they are. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and go, oh yeah, well they play in blue, which means they're not very good. You know, I'm not. This isn't you know, Ro- this isn't United goggles. This they are the best team in the league. Yeah. You know they'll they'll they've got Liverpool. Some point next month, they'll beat them and they'll win the league again. You know, Riyad Mahrez has the same goals in the league is Harry Kane and he doesn't start every game for Man City which is a perfect segue it is a perfect segue because I was I was just about to say this is a team playing they're the top of the league without a recognized striker yeah because he doesn't play uh Gabriel Jesus anymore does he Gabriel Jesus is dog water anyway but You know, it's it's down to the manager and down to the players. You know, I said it to a couple of City fans that I know. 
when they lose Pep, they'll genuinely struggle because there will not be another Pep Guardiola. I wouldn't be surprised if they went for Nagelsmann, though. Anyway. No. Strikers and Man City. Let's talk Harry Kane slash Human Son. They could have had Kane for 100 million. And I've already gone on and on about this, you know, the fact that uh, they're spending 100 million on a luxury player in Jack Grealish, and they should have just spent that on Kane. But, you know, I'm not a City fan, so I'm not going to get too worked up about it. But yeah, Kane and Son, the duo, probably the only good thing about Tottenham at the minute. Yeah, you say that. They're, well, they're very hit and miss, but... True. But they are... They're getting better under Antonio Conte. I wouldn't be surprised if they went to Old Trafford on Saturday evening and put six past, you know, you know, but then they'll lose to Burnley, which is ultimately ridiculously weird. Yeah, but Burnley are a ridiculously weird team. They'll beat the biggest teams and then all of a sudden, you know, the next thing, you know. Well, okay, so... Premier League goal combinations. If we're talking yeah. just strike partnerships. Son and Kane are at 21 goals and eight assists combined. Well, they've, yeah, they've got a total of 37 goal contributions for each other between them. Okay. So that my statistic was just Premier League, by the way. Oh, they, no, this is just well, Premier League. This is just all time. You know, they've got... Did they, they've yeah. overtaken Drogba and Lampard for 36. Aguero, David Silva, and Henri and Perez both on 29. And then you've got Anderton and Sheringham back in the early 90s on 27. But people... So, statistically, they're the best. But in real life, they're really not. Because Drogba and Lampard... Premier League titles. Aguero and David Silva, Premier League titles. Henri and Pires, Premier League titles. Uh, Drogba Lampard, Aguero Silva, Henri Henri Pires, FA Cups. Drogba and Lampard, the Champions League. Tottenham haven't won a trophy in 34 years. Harry Kane and Heung-Min Son or not. Yeah, it's cool. Have 37 goal contributions between you. That's fantastic. That's fine. It's really good for Fantasy League. But in terms of actual success as strike partnerships, I think if you've got strike partnerships that win you things, I know you don't win titles just on your attack and Tottenham's defence is shit. (laughs) There's no two ways about that. But you think Drogba and Lampard, especially under Jose Mourinho, were absolutely insane. Aguero and David Silva, quite comfortably the best striker and the best midfielder in the Premier League in their prime. Yep. Henri and Perez, ditto. Maybe Pretty not much. Perez. Definitely Thierry Henri. So when people run their mouths and say, oh yeah, but Harry Kane and human, you know, they're the, they're the best ever. Well, they're not. You know, uh, but- is, is this a case, though, of just both players being in the wrong team, but, you know, being in the prime of their careers? 
Is it a, isn't it just the fact of those two players put those two as a partnership in any other top six team and you would get your Premier Leagues, your FA Cups and whatnot? Wouldn't that be the case? Well, after what I've just said, with the exception of United, yeah. Even Arsenal at this point, where they're now starting to play under Arteta since he rooted out the... You know, the, the, the fungus that was a Bamiyang. But <laughs> if Harry Kane moved to City, if Harry Kane moved to Chelsea, if he played for Liverpool, if he played for Arsenal, <clears throat> he's 28. He is arguably the best English striker we've had since... Alan Wayne, Well, since Wayne Rooney's prime. Okay, fair enough. Okay, I'll give you that one. Well, I mean, I say I give you that one. I have to give you that just alone on the statistic of uh, Wayne Rooney's goals. You know, he's got a runners-up medal for the Euros and a third-place medal for the Nations League. Individual honours. Big whoop. Ah, don't forget the runners-up Champions League medal as well. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Terribly sorry, because everyone remembers the teams that didn't win the Champions League. Yeah, that, I mean, my next words were going to be big whoop for them. You know, he's going to, if he stays at Tottenham, he'll finish his career with an MBE. Nothing more, though. Which is still quite good, but you don't score. Yeah, but still. You know, <laughs> you don't score 176 goals for a club in the Premier League. And not expect, you know, he's got 48 goals for England in his 67 appearances, which in itself is mad. Wayne Rooney set that record a few years ago. That will be gone. With ha- and, and, Harry, and Harry Kane won't have to come out of international retirement to break it. Yeah, but that's, and that's what I mean is it's the fact that they, they should have, or he should have talked to Daniel Levy and said, you know what? You know, as much as I love Tottenham, I need to get the fuck out of here. Because otherwise, I'm never going to win anything. Think about the money that Tottenham could make off of selling that partnership. I know that's the only partnership giving them goals. You would have to be stupid to sell them. But if both players wanted to leave, think of the money you could generate. Hoyman Son, probably in this market, 60 to 80 mil. Harry Kane, probably in this market, 90 to 100 just because of the English player bonus, which you so aptly love. Well, if, we, if we're going off transfer market, his current value is 90 million. Whereas in the there summer, they could have, they could have sold him for 135. That hurts. But I want, I wanted your opinion and we'll put like a poll or, or something out as well. If they don't win anything, and you know, Community Shield doesn't count, but if they win a League Cup or an FA Cup, God forbid the Premier League or the Champions League. But if if they if they win something, would that then could you add them to that conversation with Drogba Lampard? Because at the moment, for, for me. There's two duos that are apart from everyone else. It's Drogba, Lampard, and Aguero, and David Silva. 
Henri and Perez, yeah, okay, cool, but they didn't win as much as as the other two. I think un- until they win something with Tottenham or playing together, Harry Kane and, and Son can't really be mentioned in the same sentence. I'm with you on that one. Um, if Harry Kane and Hoyman Son did win an FA Cup or a Premier League, yes, Premier League, definitely. FA Cup, I'd even still be inclined to say, you know, uh, as, as much as it pains me to say, but National Cups do not carry the same weight as a league title does. And it would be harder for me to put them in that category. But I might still do it because they finally won a title. But without a title, that statistic alone will not do it for them. But yes, you can have that many goal contributions. If it doesn't garner anything, then what is the point? Because at the end of the day, the thing that counts is a title. It doesn't matter if you have a if you get the title through winning one nil dirty every match for 38 matches or 34 matches throughout the whole season, or if you win six nil for 34 matches all season, at the end of the day, the points total is the same and the title is that what counts. So if Hoyman Son and Harry Kane have this amazing goals uh, or they have this amazing statistic of having the most goals contributions between a striking duo in the Premier League, that's cool. But without a title, that's just always going to have a star on it or an asterisk, if you will. Yeah, I, I can't argue. I really can't. Uh, just before we move on to Everton, something that might, it might interest you. It might make you want to recoil in horror. Okay. <laughs> um, according to Transfer Marked, uh, buying or watching the uh, Manuela Kanji situation at, at Dortmund. Oh, no, 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 no. I'd rather have Matthias Ginter at that point. Fuck me. Oh, you can have Ginter and a Kanji at the back. It'd be like Dortmund in like 2013. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now I've put you in a in a space of existential dread. Let's talk Everton, yeah. <laughs> because a space of existential dread is what most Everton fans must have been in when they saw that there is a possible points deduction for them uh, in the coming weeks. Because Everton need any point they can get. I think the best statistic I saw was the fact that. Everton have just four points more than City and Liverpool did at the end of their way for Champions League group stages. If that statistic doesn't shake you to your core as an Everton fan, I don't know what will. Maybe this points deduction that might be coming up. Who knows? But, you know, they need any point they can get. And they're just, they're basically the Gladbach of the Premier League at this point. They should be in the midfield of the table, maybe challenging for Europe. And they're dangerously close to the relegation spots. Well, so what might make you nervous if you're an Everton fan? Burnley are one place behind them in 18th, but have a game in hand. And far, I say a far superior goal difference. It's minus 14 for Burnley, minus 18 for Everton. 
as it, it's just as, too close. <laughs> as bad as things were under Benitez, I'd hazard a guess and say they're only going to get worse on the Frank Lampard. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that because um, <laughs> they're, they're, oh, it's just so, so bad. It's so, so bad. They have, in their last five matches, lost every match with the exception of beating Leeds 3-0. And, you know, let's face it, that's Leeds, who are, I mean, very, very needed three points because Leeds are one place above them and they have two games in hand on Leeds. But other than that, you know, it's it's depressing. You know, it's a 5-0 to Tottenham, 1-0 loss to City, 2-0 loss to Th- Southampton. They lost 3-1 to Newcastle, man. Jesus Christ. Well, do you want do you want their running? Oh, I've got yeah. They've let's got let's have a Ham, let's have a look at it. West Ham away. Manchester United at home. Everton away. Chelsea at home. <laughs> Leicester away. Brentford at home and they finish Arsenal away. The only game they'll get points from out of that run will be United at home. I can tell you that now. They'll lose to West Ham. They'll lose to Brentford. I mean, yeah. Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester and Liverpool are just done. Like, you can't. Miles better. They're going to get relegated with or without a points deduction. And it's really funny because Frank Lampard is a terrible manager who should never be managing anywhere near the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, it's not just the fact that he didn't do it at Chelsea. Yeah, but he didn't do it at Derby. Like the team, that Derby team was fantastic. That was the best Derby team they, they'd had for ages. And they bottled it in the playoffs. Yeah, but bottling it in the playoffs, that can more or less happen it happened to anyone if we're being honest so i wouldn't say after that performance you know frank lampard should not have already gotten the chelsea job but at the very latest when he got a team in chelsea that ended up winning the champions league under tuchel and frank lampard had the same team in what ninth or tenth place that should have already been it you know that should have had every team blackballing him and saying you know him as a manager i don't think so 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 you mentioned at the uh at the start that they could be uh they could be in for a points deduction and this comes around because they haven't published their accounts for what will be last season but they're expected to report to report a loss of over a hundred million pounds. And I I think a little bit unfair in the current Corona climate, you know? Yeah. We've had a club. Yeah. But the thing is financial fair play, it seems to only hit the teams that then end up losing money, which in all honesty, usually isn't the team that is spending overly high amounts on transfers. It's the teams that are already doing badly anyway. And it just hits them more with points deductions, financial deductions and whatnot. So basically on on the whole, the Premier League are very lenient 
when it comes to uh, deductible things, when it comes to publishing financial records and losses, the, coronavi- the coronavirus was one of them. So I, I want to like put that, you know, they, they weren't taking in if a club lost like 60 million from ticket revenue because there were no yeah. fans for a year. They, they were writing that off. The oh, Everton's okay. losses for 2019-20 were 139.9, so nearly 140 million quid. Ouch. Okay. Um, not every Premier League club makes profit. I want to put that. This isn't like, a, oh my God, they've lost so much money. But it's the fact that they've had like, this will be their third year in a row they've made losses over 100 million if they publish them this year and they're over 100 jesus christ so yeah that's not looking too good we'll put that new stadium on hold i was about to say the fact that they're putting that new stadium like all these grand uh new stadium plans for like the new goodison park you shouldn't be doing that with losses of over 100 million three seasons in a row I mean, they had to put them on hold anyway because the uh, the Mersey Port is like a World Heritage site or something. They weren't allowed to build on it. Yeah, it's kind of it, I, and I think it'd be criminal to all Everton fans if they didn't keep a stadium at the Mer- uh, at the Mersey Port. They can't move the stadium away from there. My... That would take away from the whole Merseyside Derby uh, type thing. And, you know, it's it's just cool with the fact, you know, Anfield and Goodison Park just being that close to each other just highlights the rivalry. My biggest issue is I've seen a lot of people on Twitter going, oh, we this is unthinkable. We can't possibly get relegated. We, we were one of the founding. We've never been relegated. This is, this is unthinkable. It's like you don't have some divine God-given right to be in the Premier League. Schalke were never relegated, and look what happened to them. <laughs> Thank you very much. But like, if if um, Man City or Chelsea next season, it all just went wrong. You know, they they it, everything just went wrong. Players weren't playing very well. They kept losing, and and they were down in there at the moment. It would be yeah, okay. You're down there because you've not played. Very, you've not done what you're paid to do very well. Yeah. It sounds a bit harsh, and Everton are a reasonably sized club for the Premier League, and they're no bigger than Southampton. But yeah, they don't. You know, this is a it's a it's a Schalke. It's a a problem of their own making. You know, spending the amount of money they have on players that aren't very good, sacking. You know. Letting Carlo Ancelotti just waltz away back to Real Madrid. Yeah. Rafa Benitez should never have been the manager in the first place. But then again, you sit there and ask, you, ask the question, who else could it possibly have been? Well, in the current climate, no one. That's the thing. Yeah, there's only so many times Big Sam will take a job. <laughs> He's already taken evidence. <laughs> and we all saw how that went. <laughs> battered in the Europa League true anyway I think on a little 
a little merry-go-round of the strikers. We like a merry-go-round. So the possibilities are Haaland, Lewandowski, Kylian Mbappe. Pretty much the three best players in the world at the minute. Three best strikers, yeah. True. Haaland is basically the one everyone's expecting. Lewandowski has only kind of emerged as a possible candidate to be sold in the recent weeks. And Mbappe is already apparently as good as gone to Real Madrid. Haaland, where does he go? Barca, City? But I mean, the fact that I'm even naming Barca in this sounds ridiculous to me. It sounds ridiculous. But if you read, if you believe what you read in the papers and online, then it'll be Barca. Because if you if you look at how Xavi has answered the questions about the supposed meeting between Barca representatives and my favorite agent in the world, he said through gritted teeth, uh, Mina Raiola, his response was like something along the line of, I've never met a player that has said no to Barca. Yeah, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> I mean, I'll get my list. Barca out. or not, that they can't, they don't have two nickels to rub together. I'm still at a loss for how they can, how they could have bought Ferran Torres for 55 mil. But the price tag on Ferran Torres and the price tag on Haaland are going to be two different things entirely. Not to mention the wages that Haaland is going to demand to be on. They, he, they, they have no financial prospect of ever signing Haaland, which is why it's baffling to me that the rumors around him and Barca are still as hot as they are. In reality, the only club that can really, really be able to sign Haaland, both wage-wise and transfer fee-wise, is Manchester City. Yeah, but I wouldn't... Get rid of Gabriel Jesus for about 40 million, and then there you go. I wouldn't underestimate Barca. I don't know why there's everything tells you that they shouldn't have, you know, two cent to rub together. But if, if Mbappe has already essentially signed for Real Madrid at this point. Which is what the assumption is. And they're just waiting until the return leg in the Champions League has been played. I don't think anyone at Barca would sleep at night if they didn't at least try they can try all they want. That's what they want. They want the next big rivalry. They want Ronaldo versus Messi 2.0. They want it to be Haaland and Mbappe up against each other for the Ballon d'Or every year. They want El Clasico to be, let's all watch it because we want to see how Haaland and Mbappe get on against each other. Whereas since Ronaldo left and with Barca's recent decline, it's been, oh yeah, they're playing again. Yeah, Classico, big whoop. I mean, yeah, it all sounds good on paper, but in theory, thing is also you have to you have to look at Haaland and say, you know, does he want to go to a club where arguably in terms of sporting uh, prowess at the minute, Barca aren't doing much better than uh, Borussia Dortmund at this, at this point. Like it would be a minimal step up, if not a sidestep. Sporting-wise, obviously, Barcelona versus Borussia Dortmund, you know, the heritage, the name, the marketability, 
you don't have to question that. But right now, if we're being honest, Barca are up and coming sporting wise, but they're not that next big step up, in my opinion, that Haaland wants to make to, you know, get his career really to the top level. I'd argue that he'd make, he'd be making that step in the Premier League with City 100%. Um, if Bayern had the money to and they lost Robert Lewandowski, definitely. Uh, but yeah, I highly doubt that that is I mean, something Bar- that you- Barca are up to third now. So since... Yeah, I'm, not, but- I'm not saying it's not a... They're not a, in like some sort of crisis because they are, but since Xavi came in, and oh, he's, he's worked wonders. And incidentally, uh, since he stopped wearing ripped jeans, <laughs> they have a 100% win record I saw from France football earlier, which is fantastic. That's the only type of rag that France football should be reporting on, not making decisions about Ballon d'Or, but we won't get into that. Um, Calm down. <laughs> but, you know, if, you know, speaking of Haaland and Bayern, Is, do you think there is any possibility of that happening? I mean, if he comes to United, then yes, please. But I genuinely think it's just a ploy to get to put pressure on Bayern and to get them to offer a contract. Genuinely can't see him leaving that club. I think he loves it there too much. I think... I mean, it's, it's going to be the Zlatan thing. You can score as many goals as you want. And Lewandowski's better than Ibrahimovic. Let's just put that out there. He's done, he's won everything. He's broken record off the record off the record. But he'll come, if he comes to the Premier League, if he plays for United, it'll be, oh, but uh, can he score against Burnley on a Tuesday in the festive period? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yes, he can. <laughs> but it's what it's it's the uh, the Sergio Ramos thing from like, Christ, like nine years ago now. Oh, He's uh he wants to move to the Premier League. He wants to move to either United or Chelsea. And then uh, two weeks later, Real Madrid centre half Sergio Ramos has signed a new five year deal <laughs> at the Madrid club. And it's like, yeah, okay, I've seen this before. I I don't think there's anything to it. As much as every fibre of my being is going, yes, <laughs> let's <laughs> imagine go. Ronaldo Ronaldo uh, Lewandowski strike partnership. That would probably have. Every club in the Premier League quaking in their boots. I doubt it. I think Ronaldo's off any, at the end of this season. Anyway, but okay, put it that putting it that way. Yes, I can understand. Um, another thing that I would just add in is that you know if there is a bigger example of someone leaving a club at which they have done or worked wonders at to try something new and it not working out, it's messy. Yeah, okay. That should be the biggest warning for Lewandowski at this point. Because he he's he's just he's just not done anything for himself, for his legacy and for his career by moving to by moving to PSG. Okay, but I I see you that and I raise you George Best. Who, okay. Who I, uh, let let me have my piece. Yes who at the time when he was playing was arguably the best player in the world. What did he gain from moving to Los Angeles Aztecs, uh, Fort Lauderdale Strikers, Hibs, San Jose Earthquakes, 
Hong Kong Rangers, AFC Bournemouth, Brisbane Lions. You know, what, what, no, no one's going to sit back. When you tell any kids or grandkids you, you may or may not have, when they go, oh, who was Lionel Messi? No one's going to sit there and go, well, he was really good, but then he went to PSG and was pretty average. So he's not really that good. It's the same with Maradona. You know, when people yeah, talk Maradona, okay. they talk Barca, Napoli, Maradona. They don't talk um, Sevilla. They don't talk when he went back to Newell's old boys for five matches. They talk. Yeah, okay, I'll give you. I'll give you. That. You know, no one's gonna. It's like Ronaldo. All the talk about Ronaldo will be Real Madrid. As much as it hurts yeah. me to say that, it will be. He came from Sporting Lisbon. He got really excited. And then he was the greatest player in the world at Real Madrid. Yeah. Okay. I'll, 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 give you, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And I think on that note, it is time to end this very lengthy episode this week. And of course, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to check out our episodes coming weekly on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And of course, make sure to check out our posts. We always bring you the most breaking news of the day. And I think on that note, thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.